life. You have designated life to be full of purpose, to be full of meaning. And all of that pointing to you, God, and your wonderful works, your wonderful hand. God, we pray right now for this country. We pray for the leaders, both locally, regionally, in the states, nationally, God. We pray that you would bring conviction upon every heart of every leader in those roles, that they would take a stance for life. God, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that this society would take a turn in such a way that life would become valuable as you see it. God, we pray that the Holy Spirit would move in the life of those who follow you and that we together, as your people, we would make a stance as you call us to make a stance, whether that is in a very private setting or a very public setting, but that we would communicate that you create life, you ordained life, and it is valuable, and that nothing that you have created is intended to be destroyed. And Father, we would ask that you would have your way with us as a country, that we would return to the foundation of valuing all that you have given us in life. Father, we need you to act here. God, we need you in a very, very swift way to change hearts for those who have devalued what you've created. And God, through all of that, we're going to follow you, we're going to trust you, and we're going to have faith in you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the prayer is that uh, sanctity of life, while we want to acknowledge it today, is that it doesn't become something we just think about once a year, but something that, again, as we walk um, along in our lives, is that we are communicating uh, God's standards and promises with that. Well, it's good to be back up here. I've been uh, out of the pulpit for a few weeks, which is always good for you. It's good for me. Um, if you did not know, um, I have um, the first two weeks of January, I had requested at the end of last year uh, to the elders, uh, the last two years, uh, including this year now, I had requested to take the first two weeks not on vacation, but two weeks to step back from my normal responsibilities on a daily basis out of the office and just really reflect and pray and study and read and really seek God, seek for where He wants us to go as a church. And the elders so graciously said, yes, we want you to do that. And so while I was here last week, I was not preaching, but uh, Matt and Josh did a great job for two weeks in a row. Uh, and it's good for you to hear from other pastors. It's good for you to hear good preaching from this pulpit. And, and that's why it's important for us to do that. But I want to thank you all for, whether you knew I was gone or not, I want to thank you for uh, continuing to, to pray for us as pastors and leaders, ministry leaders, uh, for this church, because we absolutely believe that God is continuing to call us, and, and we want to and will over the next weeks and months share a bit about what happened uh, with, with my time with the Lord and where I see that Him leading us. I, I said from the very beginning uh, back years ago when, when uh, you all voted to call me to senior pastor is that you don't want my vision for this church. You want God's vision for this church. 
My job, my role is to seek what God wants with this church and then to communicate that and to lead you and to love you and we all join in it together. So thank you very much. Keep praying uh, as we continue to walk along in that. One other thing I wanted to share, just to kind of piggyback a little bit off of what Kent said, uh, such blessings that we received financially uh, at the end of, of 2016. Please know that those aren't just numbers. Those are not just bank accounts. If we are going to effectively minister to people, we don't want finances to hold us up. We don't want to say, oh, God's calling us to do this, but we don't have the money to do it. God's calling us to reach out in this new way. We don't have the money to do it. That's why reserves are so important. It's not just to, to securely sit back in that. And in fact, as those reserves build up, the elders more and more are seeking, what is God calling us to do? Now, we know with selling of Barron Street, we've got a, a, another phase eventually coming uh, to add on to this facility to do ministry. None of that is just so we can taught anything in our own power. It is going to be to continually fulfill the vision that God calls us to. And we're going to be sharing more about that as we come forward uh, in the next couple of months. But thank you so much. Uh, it's such a, a wonderful thing to see how you've responded because giving is what disciples do. We don't just give money. We give our hearts. We give, we give our lives to this calling that God has given us. And finances are a part of that. But that is only one aspect. So thank you for being givers. Stay at it. Well, let's uh, dig into the Word today. Um, we're going to take a look. We've been uh, looking at this series on the Bible. And, and this is a little bit of a foreshadowing of, of some things that we're going to walk through this year as a church. You remember last fall and last year, actually as a result of my time with the Lord in uh, January last year, um, really felt like we needed to enter a season of prayer. Now, just in case you wondered, we're not done praying. We shouldn't be done praying. But we, we spent some time focused on this book, Circle Maker, and more importantly, on what God says about prayer. And we've really sought to, to kind of lean into that. That has become a very important piece for us as a congregation. We believe this is the next piece of this in terms of us faithfully walking with the Lord as the church. And that is to be, as, as Kent prayed, immersed in God's Word. Now that's just not something, as we'll talk here, that we do on a Sunday morning when I lead you or one of the other pastors leads you. It's not just going to a Bible study now and then. This is also about personal spiritual disciplines. And so I want us to take a look. You know, Matt talked a few weeks ago about this, this idea of meditation and what it means to soak in God's Word and, and really um, spend time enjoying it, but also learning from it. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about the Trinity in the Bible and how God reveals Himself, how Jesus in the Word gives us a picture of what he, God intended us to be, and then how the Holy Spirit is constantly working in us to live out the Word. Well, today, I want to start in Psalm 119. Today's going to be a, a little bit of pulling together these last, weeks, last two weeks and then carrying us into next week as we'll spend actually more time in Psalm 119. Here's your homework for the week. I want you to read one, Psalm 119. Now, warning, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, uh, but I know you can do it. In fact, I even can anticipate that you're going to read it more than once, which is a really good idea. Psalm 119, um, perhaps more than any other uh, psalm or passage of Scripture in the, in the Bible, 
speaks to the nature of God's Word as well as to our response to it and our living with it. And I want to read just a little section. We're going we're to be in it a little bit more and more next week. But I, I want us to go to verse 9 of Psalm 119. I don't believe this is on the screen. Yeah, Deb, that's actually for later. Sorry, I didn't give you a heads up. We're going to read from 9 through verse 16. So if you have a copy of the Word, open it up. Perhaps maybe just close your eyes so you're not distracted and, um, and listen. But I want you to hear the heart of the psalmist here. I want you to hear what's going on with... Many believe it is Ezra, who is a prophet during the time of Nehemiah. But there's also some, just, some suggestions it could be Daniel. Point is, it doesn't really matter. But let's hear what his heart is. He says in verse 9, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in, the fo in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. There's a few things that stood out to me as I read this. First of all, he starts by saying, I seek you with all my heart. That's why we read the Bible, is to seek God. It's one of the ways we can, we can draw near to God, is through His Word. But what I love about this is he doesn't just say, he, he does say, I, I recount your word. In other words, I, I, I repeat it or I recite it. It may even have to do with memorizing. But what he says that I think is most significant is he says, I seek you with all my heart. In other words, I'm putting all who I am into this. If we want to approach God's Word as something that we just need to gain information, we will absolutely miss it. Yeah, we'll know the laws, we'll know the commands, but we will never live them if our heart is not in it. And we're going to talk more about how to apply God's Word next week. But that's what I love what we see in the psalmist, because out of that comes his, he is all in. He took this seriously, God's Word that is. He didn't just look at it as an exercise to do, he saw it as his life depended on it. And so he goes on to say, to say, I have hidden your word, not just in my mind, but in my heart. I rejoice in following your statutes. I will not neglect your word. See, he committed. He made a willful commitment, which is so necessary for us as followers of Christ to make that commitment to follow God's word. You may be sitting there and you're, you're caught up in, I don't know how to do it. Well, I haven't done enough of it. Everybody else has done more than me. Who cares? It's not about what others are doing compared to you. It's about that God says, this is my word. This is how you know me. This is how you love me. This is how you obey me. So he took it seriously. He made a commitment. He found joy in obeying God's word and God himself. And so I want us to, to take and see how God's word can build in us a heart that we nurture to learn God's Word even more. One of the things I want to be careful of today is that this isn't about uh, creating guilt or manipulation in your mind because the reality is, is that we can all take a good step in immersing ourselves in God's Word more. 
The question is, is what is your next step? What does God want you to do to grow in Him and to follow Him and to live for Him as it pertains to reading and studying God's Word? I can't answer that for you, and actually, actually, I should not answer it for you. No one should answer that for you except you and the Lord. And so I want us to take a look at a couple different passages of Scripture today that actually describe God's Word. Not just a nice reference manual for when things get, get sticky. Because I think that's an easy way to approach God's Word. Oh, things are messing up. Things aren't good. It's not going the way I want. Okay, time to get into God's Word. No, that's not a relationship with God. That's not a relationship with His Word. You're looking for an owner's manual. You're looking for just some instructions. While that applies to some degree, it's not all that God's Word is supposed to be. It's not just the ultimate self-help book. It's so much more than that. So let's take a look at a few passages. The first one, uh, the first point I want to make here is that we really need to see God's Word as a lamp that guides our direction. Now let's think for a moment about a lamp. Now this is perhaps be a little hard. Pastor Josh talked about light um, last fall when he uh, preached, I believe it was from 1 John, and um, you know we had the lights off and we got a real good visualization of what one little light can do. I want you to think about that a little bit and, and look at it a little bit in, in light of how we live our lives, what God is calling us to individually and collectively. When we, if we were walking through a forest full of thorns, full of trees, full of animals, all of these things, and there's no path that we can see. Imagine the helplessness that you feel in a situation right th- like that. Now, most of you would say, well, that's pretty stupid. You didn't take a flashlight with you. <laughs> Have you ever been to a point in life where you thought you, you, thought you navigated your, your way well, and then boom, it's like all the light went out? And you say, how in the world did I get here? And more importantly, how in the world do I get out of here? That's what God's Word does for us. When we, we light a match or light a lamp or a lantern in a situation like that, a couple of things happen. One thing that happens is we can see with greater clarity of what's going on. That's what God's Word does for us. It helps us see God's perspective. And we all need that. No matter how long we followed Christ, we need God's perspective. And God has given us His Word to allow us to see that. He brings clarity to things that the world confuses, that we confuse. Here's a verse. You know this, rather familiar perhaps. It's a little later in Psalm 119. It says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And so it doesn't just bring clarity and, and clearness and focus to what is right now. It also gives us a bit of, an, of a picture of what's ahead. Is there a path in front of me? Or have I drifted off the path? God's words, not just a list of do's and don'ts, but a list of things he calls us to, characteristics he wants us to embody, come from his word. You see, when we don't have that, we tend to start focusing on other things. Or we tend to run from things that are supposed to be good for us, even though they don't feel right. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people say to me, 
used to hear it a lot um, with students is, you know what, I, 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 just, I just don't feel like reading the Bible. I just can't get into it. Read it anyways. Our feelings cannot drive everything we do. In fact, that's dangerous. Because you know what? There's days I don't feel like getting out of bed. When it's cold, even though I love this weather, uh, even when it's snowy, even though we didn't get much, is that I love to snuggle up in bed. But you know what? I've got to get up. I've got responsibilities. And so do we all. And so if I just lived my life based on what felt right, none of us would do most of the things that God has called us to do. And there'd be a lot of pain and suffering in areas in our life. But we have to focus on God. And in the Word as the lamp, the light illuminates what is very confusing to us. One of the things I think it's important for us to know is God will begin to make this clear to you as you get in it, as you study it, as you read it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that Josh talked about last week. You're going to read it. You may be confused by it. I've been through the Bible multiple times. I still get, I, there's still stuff I don't get. But what it does is it builds in us this pattern of leaning on Scripture as God's guide for us, as a lamp. I want to talk about a couple of things today that I think are very practical. Here's one of the ways that this is practical. I think it challenges us to examine our purpose in everything. But let's talk about as a church for a moment. When we read and study God's Word, it makes a difference in how we worship. Worship is more about being together with fellow brothers and sisters or people who are seeking Christ and enjoying the community that God's created in our uniqueness. We don't get caught up in a particular song. We don't get caught up in a particular style of music. Why we worship is to know and honor God. His Word makes that clear to us. But I think it's also important for us to look at it in terms of why we serve. As a church, we all know that we should serve with our gifts and our talents that God has given us. But when we are in God's Word and He's bringing clarity and vision to us, we know that we serve when we don't feel like it. We know we serve not for us. In other words, not just where we feel comfortable serving. We serve because we want to see people know Jesus. We want to share with them our experiences and help them take a step. Because with every one of us, somebody did that with us. And if they wouldn't have, where would you be? But I think the other thing is, how do we and are we making disciples? Are we leading people to Christ? We can come up with all kinds of great plans as a church, all kinds of great strategies of how to do this and that and whatever and disciple people. Where we will know the truth and test it against is right here. I may come with the plan that I think is the most beautiful, eloquent discipleship plan ever. You better, as a church, test it against God's Word. Not because I would intentionally go against God's Word, but that's where we test it with. There's another area of Scripture that I think we need to see it as, and that's as a sword. A sword that discerns our thoughts and our attitudes toward God and others. Now I'm just messing with your personal stuff, but that's what God's Word does. Look at Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. My little tabs I put in here aren't working for me this morning. Let me just tell you. 
I got a nice little color code and everything, and then I'm thumbing through, and it's not working well. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. This is not one of the scriptures we run to. Oh, it's going to divide my heart and discern what's wrong with me. Why? It's exactly what we need. It, it has the power, this word, has the power to take what may be a very human, fleshly, sinful thought that we justify, maybe even how we're treating somebody, and it will pick it apart. I don't know about you, but if, if uh, perhaps, and I've experienced this before, where you open God's Word, and this is what's so funny about uh, the Trinity and how they work in us, is because we get our little agendas, and okay, today is when I read Hebrews 4. It's on my little plan, which is good to have. And you go in, and you're reading it to read your plan. And then all of a sudden, boom, you read something, and it just wallops you. You know what that is. You felt it. There's that, there's that knot in your gut. And then it kind of works its way to your heart and then into your mind, and you're thinking, i got to fix that. Or I just have to ignore what I just read, which we do sometimes. Well, let me read it again. Maybe I didn't interpret it correctly. You see, the Holy Spirit works in us as we read. And sometimes, much against what we go into the word for, much of what the Holy Spirit does is it dissects our hearts and says, that's got to go. That's got to be fixed. And it may be something that you have hidden from everybody. And that's why experience alone and not primarily should drive how we engage God's word. Because when we do that, what we tend to do is we tend we, we like to hide stuff, and we, we, we tend to, me included, included kind of create a facade that makes things look good, even to our closest friends. But I tell you, when you get in here and you start reading this and you listen, God will search your heart. You want a healthy life, you want a good life, you want to love others in ways that you can't even imagine, then you let the Word of God Tear your heart up. Because when he does that, the word does that, excuse me, the Holy Spirit works in that. What happens is that it's not this making you feel bad about all of this stuff and saying, hope you get it figured out. No, because right alongside the word of God, as it dissects, it brings the promises of God. It brings the comfort of God. It brings the healing of God. All right here. That's why we got to get into it. That's why we got to pay attention to it. Here's what I think this looks like for us specifically. When you read the Word of God, you should examine your relationships. And I think that's what this sword, the Word of God, is the sword does in us. You know the relationships. You already probably have them in your mind. It may be a member of your family. It may be someone that you work with. It may be a member of this congregation. And for whatever reason, things have went bad. 
We allow the Word of God to be the sword for us as we examine the words we use. As we think about how we care for people. You know what my tendency is? My tendency is to care for people how I want to. That's not always what they need. In fact, as as people who love others, we should seek and we should know what they need and seek to meet that. We should seek what God is trying to do in their life and contribute to that. But then we also have to examine how we are demonstrating love. Now, I'm I'm not immature enough to think that that's easy, doing those things. But I tell you, if you read the Word of God and and it serves as a sword in your life to dissect and get out what is not good and you seek to be obedient to that, what a beautiful thing will happen in your life and the lives of others around you. Is it easy? No. Is it clean? No. It's messy. Is it happen like that? No. But that's where God's Word continues to shape in you what you need. And what he needs from you to build the kingdom. Next. Food. The word of God is food that feeds the spiritual hunger of our souls. Now, most of us, most of the time, if we want food, it's somewhere. Not too far from us. Now, maybe you don't have a lot of money and so maybe you don't have a refrigerator full of food. But even in that, you likely have some options. You also likely know places that you can go, like the food pantry, and get food. That's why I think it's good from time to time for us to fast from food. Fasting from other things is good and it's helpful, but fasting from food, to recognize in a new way, you don't have to be some spiritual giant to do this, but to recognize in a new way how important food is to us physically. But I think it's a great reminder to us what the Word of God is to us spiritually. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, this one's on on the screen for you, verses uh, 3 and 4. This is Jesus' temptation for 40 days in the desert. The tempter came to him, that would be the devil, and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How dependent are you on this? Not how much do you study it, not how much do you you read it, not how much do you have memorized. How dependent are you? In other words, is there that promise that you cling to more than anything else when you enter a certain situation? I remember years ago when I was struggling a lot with anxiety, awake at night. And I remember over and over and over again, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. When I get anxious... That's what I think about. Now, it didn't necessarily fix everything, but it was food for my soul. At a point when my soul was weary, my soul 
was malnourished. You see, this isn't junk food. This isn't that thing you eat on game day, and three minutes later you're like, oh, I should not have eaten that. No, this is the purest, the choicest of morsels that God has given us. It's that thing you eat when you have energy. It's that thing you eat when you're ready to conquer the world because your mind is clear. It's not junk food. And we have to look that we have to continually nourish our, our, our spiritual selves on it. We don't get up in the morning and say, okay, um, I, I just got to go grab a piece of toast. And then you're done for the day. No, your belly growls. You get, stir- you get, you get um, uh, what is it, uh, hangry? It's, it's when you get, you're hangry because you're hungry. Yeah, we know. Some of you do. Me too. You get hangry because your belly is growling. And, and so you're like, okay, I need food. You're dependent on it. Do you have those signs in your life spiritually? Where you're to a point and just the way you're relating to people, the way you're dealing with situations, and it's like, ooh, I need the Word of God because I am way off track. I hope God is working that in you. I hope you have those, those spiritual hunger pains going on to where you know the answer is to go to God's Word, is to study and read it. Here's how, what I think this looks like for us. I think we have to be intentional about how we read and study God's Word. It is not an option, church. It's not an option for us to say whether we are going to read it or are going to study it. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, you will do it. There's no one way. It's not about comparing it to your neighbor, but it is about getting in, and it's about studying it and reading it on a consistent basis. We're going to share some things over the next few weeks, as well as some individuals are going to be sharing some testimonies, how they interact with God's Word. But one of the things I want to challenge you to today is get started on some sort of, of intentional reading plan. The resources are immense. If you just type into Google Bible reading plan, you'll get more, more suggestions than ever. If you go to YouVersion, the YouVersion app on your phone or tablet, that's a great place to go. They've got a gazillion of them there. My point is this. Don't just say, oh yeah, I've got to read the Bible. I'll, I'll get going on that um, tomorrow. Find a plan. Now, just a word of caution. For me, I do a plan and um, I need something else. I get bored with it. And so i, I got to find different ways to engage in God's Word, but still do it. Some people, they latch onto the plan, a plan, and they're like, oh, I'm in it for the next 40 years. I love this plan. Oh, that drives me nuts. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm glad. I, I wish I could do that. But I'll do a plan, and I'm like, okay, that was good, but I need something different. So sometimes I'll read the Bible chronologically. Sometimes I'll read New Testament first. Whatever it is, the point is be intentional about it. If you need help on, on finding some resources for that, um, again, we're going to be providing some, but, but Google it. Talk to others in the church that you know are reading the Bible and say, tell me, tell me what you're using. There, there's devos you can select. The point is, make time for it on a consistent and regular basis. And then also to learn Scripture with others. I think that's how we receive God's Word as food. If you are doing Bible study and the only time you're doing it is by yourself, that is dangerous. Not because you can't access it, but you need others around you. Because we, we, can, we can start to drift without knowing it based on experiences. And I'm not saying you can't do Bible study on your own. You should develop that discipline. 
but I challenge you to also engage and, and study with others. Lastly is this. Scripture should be seen as a tool that equips. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the Scripture that Pastor Josh used uh, last week, but um, I didn't ask him for permission, but I'm pretty sure he's okay with it. So um, 2 Timothy, okay, I don't even have this one marked. I messed this up. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We're going to actually look at a different part of this than what Josh focused on. This first part of it, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now here's the part I want us to look at. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We are not just to read this, again, just to read it, just to have more information. There's a lot of Christians in this world. They know their Bible in and out. But you know what? They don't live it. They don't live it. We're going to talk about application next week because that's the hardest thing in Bible study and reading. It's easy to gain knowledge. It's hard to put it into your heart and apply it. That's the challenge. So we're going to talk about that more next week. But what I want us to see right now is that this is a tool for us. Not to reference whenever we want in terms of what works for us, but that it's a consistent part of who we are as disciples. Doctors have stethoscopes. Construction or, or carpenters, they have a hammer or a nail gun. Something that they could not be what they are in their career without. That's what the Word of God needs to be for us because it equips us. A carpenter with a hammer cannot just nail two boards together. A carpenter with a hammer can build a house. A doctor with a stethoscope cannot just hear your heartbeat or diagnose if there's fluid in your lungs. A doctor with a stethoscope can diagnose all that's going on in your body. It's the start of it. And then we pull other, pull other tools into this. But the important thing is that we will never effectively disciple people if we are not immersed in the Word of God. You cannot do it apart from it. So I want to challenge us to make an impact. Our impact starting with the Word of God. A lot of times we, we hear a, a service project and we want to jump into it, and we should. But we should not do that apart from the Word of God. Just like we should not do it apart from prayer. But we need to equip ourselves so that we're ready fully to engage in what God's calling us to. So specifically, as a church, I think this challenges us to learn the Scriptures more. To pay attention to it. To get in it and stay in it. If your pastors are the only ones that do that, or your elders are the only ones that do that, or ministry team leaders are the only ones that do that, we will not be effective. It takes every one of us. Every one of us to understand and learn and see God's Word as a lamp as a sword, as our spiritual nourishment or food, and as a tool. You don't have to know how to do all that. That's why the church comes together. That's one of the things we do in coming together. To become a disciple, we, we help each other figure that out. I'm going to leave you with a verse from Romans 15.4. And I think this captures what I wanted us to, to see the Word of God as. It's not going to be on the screen, but let me just... Just let it sink in. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have 
You see, we read about Jesus in the Scriptures. That gives us hope. We read about God revealing himself with the Israelites years and years and years ago. That gives us hope because it teaches us about God's faithfulness. We read of the New Testament church and it gives us hope to see how God, following Jesus' death and resurrection and then ascension, how we are to live out our lives individually and as the church. And it gives us hope. And maybe the most important in all of that, it gives us the hope that God wants to save everybody. Everybody. He wanted to save you, but He also wants to save that person that you cannot stand. He wants to save us all. And that's our hope. And so He's preparing this kingdom for us that we read about in Scripture. He's he's wanting us to participate in building that kingdom. And what hope is that? This is not it. What a cool thing. I'm glad it's not it. So, so, so let's commit to this, church. You're going to hear me and, and the other pastors over and over this year. We want this to be the year that we are immersed more in God's Word individually and collectively than we ever have as a church. You say, well, how do you measure that? Oh, we'll be able to tell. <laughs> we'll be able to tell. Prayer was a very important piece. We think this is the logical next step for us. We're going to do that in some ways together. But right now, I just if you don't know what to do, just, just get on your knees and say, God, I want to read the Bible, but I don't know what to do. Seek Him. Ask Him. Yeah, it can intimidate you. But He will provide. He will equip you. And oh, what beautiful things will come out of your life your heart, what usefulness He will allow you to have, effectiveness in discipling others. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. God, we thank You that it's a lamp. God, we thank You that it brings clarity and vision in places that even when we think we know, You bring more through Your Word. We thank You for it as a sword, Even in some painful times, you you reveal what needs to go. Father, we thank you that as we we immerse ourselves in your word and read and study it, that, Lord, it nourishes us. It gives us exactly what we need to thrive in you. And, Father, we thank you that, Lord, we thank you that your word is a tool, something that equips us allows us to serve in ministry, to serve others, and help build your kingdom. Father, as we spend time in close, as we sing to you, God, I pray, lay upon our hearts if, if this is something that we need to come and, and, and kneel at this altar and just ask of you, God, help us not to be afraid. And Lord, this week, as we read Psalm 119, God, just continue to stir in us a heart to nurture, to nurture all that we want to learn, all that you intend with your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.